Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. They make sophisticated non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. An amazing way to still have a drink with friends without feeling like you're missing out. Stay in high spirits. Keep a clear mind. Head to mondaydistillery.com for more. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the studio, I'm joined by my good mate, Chris King. How are you, Chris? Uh, Hi, Danny. I'm awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Sober and awesome. Sober and awesome. Yes. Feeling good. Feeling good. So, how long have you been sober for now? It's... Oh, wow. Well, it kind of depends when you start the clock from. Because mm-hmm. my initial stopping was end of May last year, yep. 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were a couple of planned hiccups after that. So, I don't know if we, we can't really count those, right? Well, you can, Falling yeah. Falling back down. There. So, I had in, in last July, I had two events. It was my birthday. Yep. Which I, when I, when I stopped drinking, I decided already that I needed to celebrate yep. my birthday. Yeah. And then we had the inaugural... Um, I'm a builder. We had the inaugural um, camping trip. Ah, uh, yes. With all all my subbies, the trades, everyone. So about twenty blokes camping yep. down at um, Broom's Head. Yep. So that obviously had to be that had to be a drinking experience. <laughs> but did it? Well, actually, now that I look back on it, no, it didn't. Yeah, but that's it. it. We'll talk last, about that. It was my last one. Yeah. 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 And when was that? That was July. Oh, Last that was July. Year. You just yeah. said that. So we're so I'm now I'm twelve months clear now. Well, that's amazing. Thirteen months. Yeah. Yeah, it feels feels amazing. Now I remember because I spoke, you jumped in on one of our webinars and you were organising your end of end of year party for your workers, and you were wondering about that, how you were going to go. So how did you go with that? Because that's correct. So I had again just to test myself, I had two two weekends in a row. Yeah. So one with with my team, and then one with sort of everyone that we work with. Yeah. So the first one was up at the Gold Coast. Yeah. Um, so and I, I I decided to be the driver. I hired a bus 
I took everyone up there. Yeah. So that one was pretty good. And the next weekend was at my house. Oh, so you were um, a driver. So I that's was sort the driver. of that's what kept you sort of That's what kept me sober. But yeah. to be honest, by then and I think when we had that chat we spoke about um not beers, as I like to fondly call them now. So yeah. non alcoholic beers. At the time I was very resistant to not beers. Yeah. Not beers, um, I like that. For whatever reason. <laughs> but now then I think it was over that period I went to love not beers. Yeah. You yeah. know, the coming of summer, you know, that pre Christmas as a tradie, it's like, you know, that's our time. Yeah. Working hard all year, finishing up, you know, yeah. summer holidays are on the way. Yeah. Let's get smashed. Let's drink a heap of beers. Yeah. So the not beers really came to the fore during yeah. that period. Yeah. So you're still you're still drinking the beers, you're just not getting smashed. Exactly right. Yeah. And I, I found that you can only there's only so many not beers you can drink. Everyone says that. Like maybe three. <laughs> so after that it's like they really start to yeah, everyone says that. Ash is the same. He's he loves the um, heaps normal ones. Yeah, heaps I drink those ones as well. Yeah, yeah um, I was, was going to offer you one afterwards actually because I got some in the fridge there. Um, yeah, and and he's is he really differentiates too between like he likes the taste of beer but he doesn't like alcohol. So that's yeah, he's like he's completely comfortable with it. It's a bit of a there's some like there's two trains of thoughts with it. Some people say that they're not good and you know it can cause relapse and things like that. But for some people, they're a brilliant tool. So I always say to people, know yourself. You know, know that know thyself. Mm. Well, I've, yeah, I found for me, it's it has been really useful. That's great. On those times when it when it is quite a social occasion, yeah. I would have been drinking there in the past. Yeah. And I, I have no intention of drinking. That hasn't been a problem for me. Um, yeah at these events, but just to have a couple of not beers really, it eases, you know, it eases me into it and yeah. I can rock up, have two or three not beers and then see ya, bail. Yeah. yeah. And they're becoming so much more socially acceptable as well. Like, and it makes you feel, I usually take the Monday distillery G&Ts. I don't know if yeah. you try those, the gin and tonics. I haven't tried them, but I know the ones yet. Yeah. Well, they're not G&Ts, but they're. Yeah, mm. and I take those to a party with me, so I still feel like I've got something special. It's not something I do all the time. I'm not smashing one every night, but I. But it wouldn't matter if I did because they're full of botanicals and they're really good for you. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. But anyway, it sounds like a plug. Yeah, I also... find it the same with not beers. I've got not beers in the fridge. Yep. But like, I'll have three not beers sitting in the fridge for you know <laughs> not months for months on end. <laughs> I don't yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. There's no. I don't really touch them, and it's it's funny when you start drinking them, you really notice. The lack of a buzz. You'll have yes. three not beers and it's like, what's wrong with this beer? What's yeah. going on here? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. um, oh, you look at, you know, especially at a, you know, at a blokey gathering, it's great to have a few beers and, and everyone may not even notice that you've quit drinking. Yeah. So you can avoid that whole conversation if, if yeah. you need to. How has it come up in the, especially in the tradie circles too, if people notice that you're having a not beer? Um, do they say, what the fuck is that? <laughs> it's to be, this, you know what? I think the whole trade is changing so drastically at the moment. There's mm. so many guys, especially in our area. Right? I mean, mm. we live in Byron Bay. It is a bubble. I can't mm. speak for what it's like in the cities or mm. many other places around, around the country. But here, definitely, there's, there's, everyone's so much more health conscious these days. Yeah. So a lot of guys are toning down the drinking. I mean, mm. eating has shifted you know, yeah. diabolically on site. Yeah. You, you know, mm, it's hard to find a sausage roll these days on, <laughs> on the job site, you know, let alone a, um, like a dare milk or a, a can of Coke or it's just like, it's just chia seeds as far as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> 
which I welcome. I think it's amazing. Yeah, it's funny the shift, isn't it? Oh my yeah. god, yeah, it's really different. So, what? Um, talk to me about what got you to the point where you decided, you know, well, actually, tell me about your journey with alcohol. Like, when did you start? Where did okay. it take you? Yeah, my journey with alcohol. Um, well, it started for me probably when I was about fifteen, mm-hmm. which is um, and and it was you know raiding the parents' liquor cabinet. Yep. You know, rocket fuel in the backyard. Yeah. Till I span and vomited. Yeah. That was generally the story. <laughs> yeah. I um, for me, I was I was in New Brisbane at that time. I'm a Canberra boy mm-hmm. originally, mm-hmm. but I went and spent sort of 18 months in Brisbane at that really formative time. Mm. So I was 15, 16. They mm-hmm. were the years for me when I was in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I struggled. Like that was a really difficult time for me. Um, I was at a private boys' school when I moved from Canberra to Brisbane. Someone had the smart idea of moving me from year eight to year ten. Jeez. Yeah, and I was like, I was a tiny, skinny little, you know, tiny, skinny little white boy from Canberra. Yeah, yeah. Who, um, you know, I was a really late developer, so I had, you know, I, I just got picked on constantly, and and oh. and I had such low self esteem during that period of my life, mm-hmm. um, which I think is what led to me. Man, I just wanted to fit in, you know. Mm. Well, I just wanted to fit in, you know. So if someone if someone was offering me booze, that seemed like a great way to do that. Mm. Um, so I guess that's where that started for me. Um, having friends that introduced me to, yeah, to marijuana and to to alcohol around yeah. about that time. Yeah. Um, and from there, I mean, it wasn't. I guess for me, even in that time, it was so accepted. Mm. And and drinking, I mean, I certainly did it secretly, um, but it was just normal teenage drinking. Yeah. Probably until about year 12. Yeah. When, um, the, well, then I was at boarding school in Canberra in year 11. Um, and I mean, then you just, you know, you're hanging out with your mates every day. So drinking certainly became more of a thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of goon bag, a lot of goon bag work down in the bushes, Jeez. all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just elaborate for those that don't know, what's a goon bag? A goon bag is a... Um, well, in those days, typically, it was a four-liter cask of wine that yeah. would probably cost about three bucks, I reckon. And it, yeah. yeah, it makes me sick to think about it. Mm. My goon bag career was short. Yeah. You know, like, because it's it, it takes a lot of effort to drink goon bag. Oh. It's so disgusting. We used to do that. My friend Lyndall, who's been on the podcast quite a bit, um, her and I used to, I think we were like 14, and we'd get the Fruity Lexia, cask of Fruity Lexia, and then we'd drink it, we'd sneak out and drink it, and get smashed, just horrific. And then we wouldn't be able to finish it because also it was disgusting and we we're young. So then we'd drink it the next day in the park and finish it off. It's so, Ooh. I know, nasty. Ooh. With chips and gravy so usually. Nasty. Yeah, and then just, oh, yeah. It's amazing we managed to push through that. Oh, I know. Yeah. Disgusting, yeah. And then I remember, I think that was about the time Strongbow became a thing. Oh, yes, I remember those. So we used to, um, we were at boarding school, we yeah. had this gang called the Beer Garden Gang. And we would, um, you know, we'd, we'd go down to the shops on the weekend. We're, we're all at boarding school. We'd, we'd go down to the shops and, you know, find someone on the street who would convince to buy us alcohol. Yeah. Usually, you know, strong guy and goon bags. And then we'd, and then we'd, we'd go and find someone's house on a Saturday night that was empty and just yeah. sit in their backyard. Smash, <laughs> smash strong bows. We called ourselves uh. the beer garden gang. Uh, um, so that was our mission then. So because you're in other people's gardens, unawares to them. Unawares to them. That's right. That's right. It, it was, yeah. Oh, I mean, so and it, I mean, they were good times, you know? Yeah. It was good fun. Um, 
So I guess that was the starting of alcohol for me. Um, a strong bow too. I remember that. It's, you know, I not thought about those two. You just said that. I reckon I'm pretty sure I remember drinking some of the like some of, like trying my mum's when I was about eight years old. It was a real thing in the eighties that um, yeah, and I was I remember drinking those, but not much, just mouthfuls here or there, and it tasted so nice like as a kid. And that um, passion pop, we drink passion, passion pop, pop when we that got was big. Yeah. The other one Yuck. was um, stones. Did you ever drink yeah. that? Stones ginger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we used to take a lot of that down. And that was yes. great in Canberra in the winter because it really would warm your soul, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I remember sitting with my friends in my bungalow. We were drinking stones and singing Neil Diamond's Red Red Wine, but we were singing Green Green Wine. Um, <laughs> with the, anyway, I digress. Go on. <laughs> yeah, so I think for me um, it became – oh man, I was such an insecure little kid, you know? Yeah. After sort of, especially coming out of my teenage years and, um, you know, I just wanted to be liked. I wanted to be accepted. So I think I started to develop a lot of, mm. th- there was a lot going on around approval seeking. Um, yeah, I just, I wanted to fit in. Um, yeah. So I think what I really started to discover with alcohol was, you know, all of a sudden I felt confident, you know, I felt like I was cool and people liked me and we were all yeah. doing this thing together, you know, and it was like yeah. an allegiance and. Yeah. Finally, I fitted in. So, yeah. and I liked I liked who I was when I was drinking mm. because you know oh, I'm funny. I'm a bit crazy. You know, everyone's mm. everyone thinks I'm funny. Mm. Um. So that was at that point in time that was big for me. Yep. Yeah, and and then I think over time that really literally became an identity, and I started to if I was in a social situation or connecting with people and there was no alcohol or, or drugs involved, I would all, I would immediately go back to my feelings of, of, of being less than. Wow. You know? So yeah. I think it was always that, just that big cover up of my own, um, my own anxiety around who I was and, and my shame around that in many ways as well. Oh my God. Yes. Mm. That's such an incredible realization. And often, one that we don't have until later, but for sure. And absolutely. so many of us probably do start drinking for that approval seeking as well. I know I did. Absolutely. And then we live in accordance to the labels we've created for ourselves. Ash and I did a podcast on that yesterday, talking about that exact same thing. Okay, cool. Um, how you'll live according to that label and kind of to make changes, you have to almost create new labels for yourself to live by because if you're going to keep thinking in that old way of thinking about yourself, it's really hard to change. So how did you change? How did I change? Well, yeah. it, I mean, change, I guess it's, it's been a pretty recent thing for me, really. Yeah. I mean, I think that that was an identity that um, certainly carried on throughout, yeah, throughout my 20s. Yeah. For sure. I moved to Melbourne in my 20s and, and um, you know, I was living with, a, I had such a great group of friends, but a lot of our interactions were based around alcohol and drugs. That's what we did. Yeah. Um, and I was living in inner city Melbourne for probably most of my 20s. Yeah. Loved it, you know, it's just bands and metal and, and alcohol and speed and all the rest of it. That's mm. that's what we did. Mm. But I always felt for me it was just, it was a bit much and I kind of got spat out in the end of, mm. of the city. Yeah. Um, even though it had, you know, it, it, you know, in many ways I did like being that guy who was, mm. who was you know, one of the lives of the party anyway. Yep. Um, I remember when I... I spent some time in Scotland. Well, I was 21 and I went to Scotland and I had two of my closest buddies were over in Scotland. So 
I went to Edinburgh and I was living with one of them and he he unfortunately died in an accident while I was over there. So Oh shit. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. horrific. Um But I ended up coming back to back home about two months later. So I was met at the airport by about I don't know, twenty of, of my friends. And they all had they'd all had this T shirt made up, which just had a had this overblown picture of my face on, on the on the front of it, right? Yeah. I'm, I've got a shaved head. I'm clearly completely inebriated. Yeah. You know, my I'm pointing at somebody like I'm in the middle of some sort of drunken diatribe. I've got I can't remember if it was roly weed or roly, you know, tallyho paper or something hanging off my lip, stuck to my <laughs> lip, and my nickname at the time was Yobs. 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 <laughs> so everyone's got this shirt on, and it says. Too easy yobs. <laughs> big letters across it with this picture of my, you know, my my distorted face on it. So this is what I emerged from the um from the international terminal to, to twenty of my friends wearing this t shirt. So yeah, that 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 was my identity. That's the identity that I wow. created at that time. Um, but you know, but I loved it at the time because you know I thought that was cool. Yeah. But yeah, certainly heading into my late twenties, I I guess I felt I need to start toning things down a bit. So and mm. and literally, I got to the point where I had to leave Melbourne. Melbourne just yeah, I was done. So I moved up here up to Byron, mm. um, looking for the quieter life. Believe you know, believing that that would be the end of my association with drugs and alcohol. Yeah, that and if, that if I walked away from it, it would stay there. I know, and it never happened. You change your geography all you like, but unless right. you change you're those not, beliefs and those not, labels. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So you, the, the problem doesn't exist in geography. Mm. Yeah, it's it's right. within, you know, and until yeah. you can find that, mm. you're going to keep running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So what happened when you got up here? When I got up here, um, I mean, look, first and foremost, I loved it. I loved the lifestyle. But I remember when I first got here, I was like, fuck, where am I going to live? <laughs> like... I can't live too far from the pub. Like, how am I going to do with this driving and drinking thing? How's that going to work? Yeah, it's also spread out here. It's yeah. also spread out, yeah. you know? So that was a real problem for me at first. Um, and I think I resolved that by doing a lot of drink driving, mm. you know, which is obviously a very mm. poor way to go as well. Yeah. Um, but that's what I did. And I think that's what we all did yeah. in many ways. So, um, you know, and there was also, I mean, I also found a lot of, lot of, Drugs and alcohol and, and, and friends who are also into that kind of stuff up here. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's that idea that we always we always call in or associate with yeah. with the people that are going to support us or make us feel better about whatever yeah. endeavor it is that we're undertaking at the time, for better or worse. We seek out those people. We'll always find them, the people that we don't have to feel like they're not going to question us, you know, we're going to just... Exactly, they're yeah. going to support me on my journey of yeah. inebriation. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so I certainly found those. So you're really good friends with Lissy Turner. Who, yes. Were you friends with Lissy well, when she was Trash Bag Mel Bampton? Or I, yeah, I met her probably around a time, our sons are the same age and they're 15. So I met her probably just prior to that. Right. Yeah, so uh, prior- she, yeah, she was still a pisshead. Yeah, she was still drinking there. She was still drinking. Yeah. So, for those of you who don't know who I'm talking about, um, Lissy's been on the podcast, I think, twice now, maybe three, uh, at least twice. She's a local yoga teacher, but she used to be a a radio DJ and probably a a very, very, like, she was a massive trash bag. Anyway, so that's another connection that um, Chris and I have got. Anyway, so when, okay, so obviously it's still continuing, same old patterns, same old behavior. When did you get to the point where you were like, okay, I have to do something about this 
and, uh, and was it becoming a problem? Other than drink, I mean, drink driving's. Oh, look, I, th- I think that was a problem. I, look, I was never one of those alcoholics, you know, where I was getting up in the morning and drinking or anything like that. I was always really functional. Yep. Um, for me, through my 30s, it was more like I, I would probably drink every day, more or less. Yep. Um, but it would be, you know, you know, it might be three beers and half a bottle of red wine or something like that every yep. evening, which. Yep. I mean, it depends who you talk to. I didn't think it was much of an issue at the time. I thought that was pretty normal. And, and It's a fair bit. Yeah, it's a fair yeah. bit, yeah. I mean, if I go to the GP and how much are you drinking now? I mean, they would they would not like that answer. So, I would tone that answer down. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I think that's when you can start to realize because, yeah, you do tend, like we were talking about before, you tend to associate with the people that, that don't mm-hmm. really let you in on that secret that yeah. perhaps you're drinking a bit too much. Yeah, that's true. And were you having big night, like the big nights as well with... Oh, kind of blowouts have yeah. always been big on the blowouts. All-nighters, yeah. all, you know, all-weekenders. Yeah. You know, and obviously that was always drug-related as well. Yeah. Because um, the two do go hand-in-hand. Hand. Yeah. So, yeah, that was certainly a, a pattern. Um, but for me, I went through a couple of, um, I guess you'd call them really difficult patches throughout my 30s with, with relation to my son and breaking up with his with his mother and and sort of an ensuing kind of period of you know custody battles and court and all that sort of stuff mm, so there was cool. yeah there's a lot of emotional upheaval during that time um which i i you know which i tried to drink my way through yeah um prior to that i don't think i'd dealt with anything i mean i'd had heartbreaks and things like that but i hadn't had anything really significant mm. emotionally mm-hmm. um so I think that there was a lot of realizations throughout that time um, that trying to drink my way through things wasn't really working. Yeah, um, I did develop a lot of anxiety in that period. Um, mm. Ended up on medication for that as well. Mm. Um, but just I guess, and and by no means did I stop drinking during this period. But I guess that was my first when I first started to realize, hang on, this isn't really helping me. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 having a really difficult time right now and I'm drinking every night. Um mm. and it's not helping anymore. Of course those first few drinks will take dull the pain, take it away and I start to feel yep. okay. Yeah. Not good, just okay. It's yeah. like the pain numbs, it disappears a little bit. Yeah. But then you keep drinking and it you know, you, you realise it, it it comes back and it's it's often worse, it's darker. Yeah. Um and then if you know, waking up the next morning and, and feeling Ashamed and, and feeling regret and resentment um, yeah. at having drunk again and had a you know had another bad sleep and but then for me it was always about waiting until the next afternoon when I could have a few more drinks and feel better again so it was just yeah. that even if it was just those couple of hours a day when when you can actually feel better and that yeah. was that was the those are the hooks you know the tendrils that really can really tie you in there and and it's really difficult to see the you know. To see the damage you're doing, yeah, at yeah. the time. So that realization that it wasn't serving you, and you realized it was was that something that you came upon yourself, or did someone say to you, or was it you know how did you get that little knowledge download? Um, I guess I was exploring quite a lot at the time. Yep. Um, in you know, I guess in a personal development kind of sense, be it through various counselors. Um, I did start seeing some psychologists around that time as well which was more based around anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, 
also doing a lot of reading. So certainly there was help. Yep. It wasn't, you know, something that I necessarily figured out on my own. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important too, yeah. to be able to get help. Yeah. And that's the thing too with uh, so many people will drink to relieve stress and anxiety, but it's like pouring fuel on the fire of anxiety, alcohol. It just exacerbates it so much just for that little window of reprieve that we get. And like you say, it's it's not full reprieve either. Often it's just that little, you know, it's it dampens it a little bit, but then it keeps keeps going. Gets Absolutely. Worse. I think, yeah, I got, I got to that point in my late 30s when – and the anxiety really had become a problem for me. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's that was when I, I think a psychologist had said to me, you know, you can't, you know, you, the, the alcohol in essence is becoming the anxiety. Yeah. This, this cycle is just, it, yep. is, it is so um, ingrained and it's just feeding itself. Mm. And I, I couldn't sit with myself anymore during that time. Mm. You know, it just... Which is a which is an awful place to be. Yeah. Um, and I really feel for people who get stuck in that in that kind of place. Yeah. Because a lot of people are, a lot of alcoholics are, a lot of you know, a lot mm. of people who suffer from anxiety and, and depression just get fucking stuck. Yeah, and it's just like you say, it's just a perpetual mm. thing. It just keeps going and and feeds on itself, and it is hard to see out of that when you're in it. Like when you're really in that cycle, it's so hard to see. That you're going to, that there is a way out, or to be able to sit in that uncomfortable space where you do have to kind of just get through that yucky bit to sort of come out the other side. Absolutely, and I think having this vision and seeing the bigger picture. Yeah. When, when you're in so much pain and, and suffering, and you're really struggling, your whole life becomes such a day to day event that it's everything becomes about getting through the next day or the next hour or the next minute. Yes. Whatever it is. So it, it becomes really difficult to um to extrapolate outwards and begin to understand the bigger yeah. picture. I think you're right. And it's being in that stuck uh, stuck state of reactivity as well. You're just reacting on the current, you know, what you're feeling. You're just like, boom, 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 I'm feeling this. This is what I'm going to do to get rid of it. Or And it's being stuck in that, that current feeling, if you know what I mean. Mm. Ash and I were talking about this too, funny, in the, the podcast we did yesterday about seeing beyond yourself. So having enough optimism to be able to see beyond your current circumstances and can be hard in that moment. But if you can just have little moments of, of maybe even journalings, that's what I would say to people to like journal about who it is you want to be or the optimistic side of you. If you can tap into that and okay, what's possible for me, even though I don't really feel like it now. Absolutely. This, towards something. this is what someone said to me um, last year before I um, embarked on this, this current kind of, sobriety journey yeah. mm-hmm. someone said to me imagine yourself in 10 years and imagine imagine the impact that you are having on that person right now mm-hmm. and and how that person feels about what you are doing to them right now yeah. um so having this really conscious idea of of my choices right now are impacting the future me very strongly and if if i haven't take a very small shift in my behaviors and my patterns right now where will that be in 10 years if i'm just mm. turning the wheel on my ship very slightly right now mm. in 10 years that's gonna really change the, who that person in 10 years is going to be yeah and that choice is mine now is that person going to be you know a drunk an old mm. decrepit drunk or is that person going to be vital and healthy yeah. that choice is mine right now and that's a lot of responsibility there's a lot of weight in that as well mm. 
But so empowering. So empowering, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's often too, if you think, if I don't stop, where is this going to lead? You know, where do I end up if if I keep on this hamster wheel and keep going this way? And that's scary too. And like you say, it's just this choice. It's like you're at a crossroads. And Totally. And it's yeah. so easy to make little excuses now. Oh, just one more day. Just one more drink. Mm. Just one more time. I'll, I'll deal with it next week. Mm. But those are the little choices that we make every day. And the thing about choice is choice happens in the moment every yeah. day. Yeah. We can't just make one choice and that's it. Yeah. We have to keep making it. And and every time you make a poor choice, then you're turning yourself more towards that that, that in that poor direction. You know what I mean? So it, it it has to happen now. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Bloody hell. So what then okay, so tell us then how you got into oh, the sober journey. So, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I guess all those periods um, throughout my 30s were making me more conscious of my relationship with alcohol. Um, and as I moved into, I'm 47 now, as I moved into my 40s, I I think my relationship started to shift. Mm-hmm. I felt like I became a bit more of an adult drinker. Oh, yeah. You know, I was just, <laughs> I, you know, I was buying $30 bottles of wine instead of, you know. <laughs> I went through that instead of ten, Instead of $10 bottles, you know. <laughs> instead of the goon bag. Yeah. Or, and then I started buying organic wine, you know. <laughs> this stuff's actually good for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but yeah, I mean, too. I still didn't sleep, but, you know, and so having that whole idea that it, and it was just a couple of wines with dinner, but the reality was I was still struggling with it um, mm. because I knew it still had a hold on me. I would constantly try to sort of become more moderate moderation doesn't work for me i'm not a very moderate person so i would constantly be be saying to myself right i won't drink on monday through to wednesday mm, those deals we make yeah and day. on those days i'd just be hating it you know because i'd be like fuck bring it on thursday yeah oh, maybe it maybe i'll start a bit earlier this week yeah i mean you know it's a pretty common story so but for me ultimately i went through i went through a breakup 18 months ago at the start of 2020 which really was a really painful one for me um and that i I think that one just really brought up a lot of my um i think as we move through life and go through these painful times and periods of struggle it's kind of like you're peeling back the onion you know you're sort of unveiling Mm. more and more layers of, of yourself and those all those years I spent drinking and, and masking myself and covering up it's you know they start to peel off again and, and you, you're left with the the darkness that sits inside underneath it all at mm. least I was mm. and um, yeah that last breakup was just very it, it really um, it tied into all my you know my old shame beliefs about myself you know of mm. the not being good enough stuff, all that kind of stuff, and and mm. stuff around rejection and abandonment, I felt very rejected. Um, and I think for me, probably with many of us, my natural reaction to that was to to just shut down and to to try and drink my way through it, you know, mm. just to numb myself out because, and and to be a victim, you know, mm. to blame that other person and to and to be a victim of this horrible person and look what she did and and mm. but ultimately that is also that doesn't serve me either yeah that's not going to give me that's just going to leave me in, as business as normal you know yep. that's it's going to open me up to that happening again in my life ultimately i came to the realization you know through a lot of through a lot of therapy and a lot of talking and a lot of um thinking as well that ultimately i need to I need to own the parts of myself that 
enabled, you know, that enabled that situation to to happen for me. Yep. Um, and that drinking is really is just is it's a roadblock. It's a block to me being able to move on with my life, mm-hmm. being able to become the person I want to be, and and develop that inner strength and confidence that hopefully means that I don't. <laughs> I don't invite situations like that into my life anymore. You know, that's my ultimate goal with all of this, really. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was that was what you know, because like, prior to that, I was I was wreck for the first half of last year. I mean, we all had COVID going on; the whole world was mm. was a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, yeah, I really went straight deeply back into that sort of shame cycle with myself. Mm. And I hated it, you know. I just felt so toxic mm. um, and so dirty and dark. And, you know, I just wanted to escape from it and escape from myself and, and my life and everything. Mm. I mean, mm. you know, the anxiety came back again. I, I'm not really someone that turns to, that becomes depressed. I definitely go more into the anxiety. Um, but certainly wanting to push everything away and, and, and escape from the pain. Um but then realizing that yeah, it just wasn't wasn't working for me anymore. Mm. Mm. Wow, there's a few things I want to say. Firstly, about that when we give our power over to someone else in that in that victim state too, when we we um, it's so disempowering, you know, and and also even in the blaming of the other people about our current state of emotions as well. It's it takes all the power away from ourselves. And as hard as it is in situations like that that you're in and you feel so heartbroken and rejected and, you know, all the old patterns are coming back in. It's such a it's such a big time, but it can be such a potent time if you can use it to drive to drive you out of it and drive you forward and drive you into that more optimistic place. But it's so hard when you're in it, isn't it? So how did you Absolutely, yeah. How did you sort of start to claw your way <laughs> out of that? Well, I think well, I think I had a lot of really good support around me. Yeah. I had some really good friends that yeah. um helped me out a lot and i had some i had and i had also had a couple of counselors that i was seeing yeah um who i'm still seeing now so awesome. i'm kind of a big believer in getting some talking help. about it yeah. getting help counseling and i don't think that needs to mean there's something wrong with you or you need help i just think hey we're all humans and and life is hard like let's get some help with it there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code presson25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and presson falsies. And you need tools just like with anything else. Like if you've got a sore, you know, I see an osteopath often for different like issues in my body. And so I go and see an osteopath. Why not if we're feeling a bit, you know, stuck in our minds, why not go and see someone and, and get some help? 
yeah. like we would any other part of our body. So I see a brilliant therapist as well. She's awesome. Like she's just so awesome. And even on days where I feel like, ah, no, I've got nothing. No, I'm good. I've got nothing to talk about. I've got this. So she'll always find something, you know, something, but it's in a really empowering way. It's in a really beautiful healing way, not in a stuck victim. I think people worry sometimes if they get help that it makes them more of a victim or might bring up stuff that they don't want to deal with. But it's, unless you've got a really shit counsellor, I don't think that would be the case. It's so, mm. the tools they give you are so That's amazing. right. Well, I have one that is, he is quite... Um, I love that you've got multiple. Yeah. I have, I have, a, <laughs> and I have a man and a woman counsellor. Oh, that's awesome. So it's, it's great. And I sort of have them on alternating cycles. <laughs> but um, but the, the, the male one, I won't mention any names, but he's um, he he can be quite harsh with me. So you know, when I'm going into that victim state or a blaming, he's like, "Chris, you're doing it again. You're doing it again, mate. You got to take this. You know, you have to take this on yourself. You can't. Yeah. You can't blame the world for for the situation that you're in, and you need to take responsibility for it. Yes. Yeah. But she did this, and she here we go again, mate. You know, yeah. you have to you have to let that go eventually. So yeah. Yeah. So that was. I, I mean, I think the the. The catalyst for me in the end was um, I'm a builder. I have I have a business that takes a lot of time and energy and a lot of um, mental and emotional capacity. Mm. Um, there's a lot going on. Um, I have I'm a single parent. My son is 15. He, he we're sort of he probably lives with me a bit more than half. Um, and I just really started to notice the impact on those elements in my life those relationships Mm. um my sleep was just so bad trying to get up and deal with life you know when you're kind of when you're hating yourself and when you're drinking every night and not sleeping getting up early and and trying to be there for the people in your life and and for all the responsibilities that i have i started to find was more and more difficult Mm. um and and my behaviours, what that started producing in me was I just noticed myself being really reactionary. Yeah. Which is something I can go to anyway. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it, it goes hand in hand with, you know, I guess the patterns I've brought with me into adulthood from my childhood. Yeah. Um, just around the approval seeking and around if yeah. people don't agree with me, I get upset about it. Yeah. Well, I want you to agree with me, you know. You, yeah. If you don't agree with me, it means you don't like me or you don't accept me. So, yeah. That's always been a thing for me as well. So, but all those patterns were really just coming up, and I, and, and yeah, I think you were mentioning it before, just being very reactive around it mm. with clients, with family, with my son, and eventually I had it was a one week period. I had three different people tell me to calm down, and I couldn't remember the last time anyone had told me to calm down. Mm. And I was like, wow, this is really, this is really becoming a thing right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's not a fun thing. Like mm. when when everyone is noticing it that that much, it's really having an impact. I mean, I think we can we get pretty good at hiding things, you know, mm. in our life and and getting by. But when it gets to the point where you can't hide it anymore, um, yeah. that's 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 the crossroads. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So you calm down. <laughs> Calm the fuck down. <laughs> Calm the farm. Calm the farm. I was just going to say too, I think that reactionary state really goes hand in hand with anxiety as well. It's that being switched on and that fight or flight um, autonomic nervous system stuff where you just react, react, react. And and 
being able to cultivate awareness around what's going on and around your feelings. Okay. Um, noticing a feeling before you react is, um, it takes a lot of work. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and like I was saying you before, it's, it's what happens in the, you know, it's the change that happens in the, you know, it's between the, the trigger and the response. That's where, yes. that's where it has to happen. Yep. Yep. Um, so, um, okay. So take us then to where you go, right, that's it. No more booze. And what did so you do? I'd, I'd, it was, I actually had periods of sort of um, abstinence for the previous maybe two or three years. Yep. But every year I'd sort of, maybe the first year I had a month off. Yeah. And then the next year I think I had two months off. And then... I reckon everyone listening to this podcast pretty much has had those. And <laughs> yeah. included where it's like, yeah. So that was sort of the lead up. And then in the third year, maybe I'd had um, maybe three months off. And I think that was when I saw you in Bali actually. And you were maybe two or three years into your journey at the time. And yeah. I did find that quite inspiring. Oh, good. Yeah. And I'd, <laughs> I think I'd had three months off that year and it felt really good. Yeah. But it, I never had any intention to, it was always like, right, I'm going to have three months off. Yeah. And sort of tick the days off, you know. Yeah. This time was completely different. Can I just ask a question just going back to that? Because I take people through three-month challenges and we're halfway through one at the moment. Do you find that if you've had, there's a big difference between doing three months of white knuckling it and not doing any work on yourself or three months in or time and actually doing work on yourself. In those three months, were you doing work on yourself, would you say, or were you just going through the motions and I yeah I was definitely doing work on myself mm, oh, um, I think that's been something I've been doing for quite like, Sounds like quite a while yeah. on and off but yeah I mean I'm really big on goals yeah. and and challenges and and kind of setting myself yeah you know or whether it's monthly challenges or whatever it is I like to have something I'm working towards um so what was the difference then this time when you've gone? So this time I took a completely different approach. Okay. Like I just knew that I, I just knew that this this was my time. This was my chance. This is it, man. If you blow this, you know who knows what will happen. Yeah. This you need to be serious. Yeah. Um, and it's up to you. So when I quit, when I stopped drinking this time, I had a completely different view to it. I didn't put any time limits on it. Mm. I didn't want to give that to myself. I just thought I need to stop drinking and that's going to happen now. And I, first and foremost, I owe it to myself. I recognized that, as you were talking about before around anxiety, I recognized for me, I really needed to get into my body more. Mm. I needed to calm my nervous system. I needed mm. to develop the tools that would make me Less reactive to the world and people around me, um, that 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 would just give me back my kind of inner strength and and my love for myself, so that I could finally let go of this identity that I had spent so many years creating. You know, all the masks and the walls that I'd built up around myself that really were stopping me from connecting with myself first and foremost, and therefore with the other people in my life. Yeah, that is key. That's mm. like that's key. That whole, that statement that you just said, like first, like changing those labels and those beliefs and the, the masks that we carry and learning how to tune back into your body. I reckon that's the key to quitting drinking, honestly. Yeah. There's other stuff, but. I think I would agree. And yeah. and I think for me, it needed to, so for me, it needed to have, it wasn't like, right, I'm quitting drinking. It was like, I choose myself. I'm choosing my body. I'm choosing my future self. I'm choosing my relationship with my son. I'm choosing my relationship with with my clients and my work rather than, and Lissy says this as well around, um, 
if you can choose the positive, then the negative patterns will start to fall away because you're moving towards the positive thing rather than saying, I'm stopping doing this, which which always feels like you're denying yourself something. You're losing. So for me, and that was the difference in my approach this time was really just this deep acknowledgement that this is the person I want to be and Mm. I can't do it with alcohol. Oh my god, yeah. So I need to choose to not I need to choose to not have it in my life. Ding 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 ding. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah. And I'm through it. I'm further than a year into that path now and I still don't have any there hasn't been any time goals around it and I honestly don't even feel like I've quit. I just feel like I've just chosen a different path. A different path. I've chosen to go on this journey. Oh, which which so ultimately is a journey to myself. Mm, yep. When Ash and I quit, uh, the main focus for us was around creating a new versions of ourselves, I guess. So we were doing a lot of positive affirmation writing just because we didn't know how to either. We had no idea. We're just like, what, you know, and it just seemed to ring true when I was listening to lots of Wayne Dyer at the time. And he was talking about... He's awesome. Oh, I love Wayne. <laughs> oh my God, I love Wayne. Um, everyone who listens to this podcast knows I love Wayne. But, um, you know, the I am, like what follows I am will come looking for you. So I thought, right, that's, that's what we'll do. And so knowing that I didn't want to be that old person anymore, I didn't want to be old, that old version of me. She was fucked. Like she was so <laughs> depressed and down on herself and that, you know, self-hatred and, and Ash the same, you know. So I knew that wasn't working for me. So, okay, who do I want to be then? And yeah, and then taking, okay, what do I need to do more of to become that person? And exactly right, alcohol out <laughs> was one of the first things, you know, and then figuring out tools to tap into my own body. I've seen you at Lissy's at the Yoga Shack and on yoga retreats. So was yoga part of that? I think yoga was, yoga has definitely been a big part of that for me mm-hmm. over the years. And I think sort of leading up to this time, I would say I've done, I've done less yoga during this period. I felt like yoga was always kind of there for me, mm-hmm. you know, over maybe the past five years in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt this time, oh, like I really wanted to get, I just really wanted to get fit and strong and really get into my body this time. Yep. Um, which is so I, you know, and I guess part of that was a little bit of replacement therapy as well. Mm-hmm. So in the evenings for me, you know, cook dinner, have some, have a few, you know, have four or five or six drinks was was such a regular habit and a routine for me. So what did you do? What did you replace it with? So I started doing a lot of. Um, I discovered hot hit Pilates. Oh, which, cool. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. was. Which freaked me out at first, but um, I guess that's one of the things that drew me to it. Um, it was just so different. So, started doing a lot of classes in the evenings. Where did you around here? Around Byron, yeah, oh. that's down in the industrial estate. Okay, yep. Started running a lot, yeah, as well, yeah, which is something that I'd sort of flirted with quite a lot in the past, but never, never with that level of consistency before. Yep. So I really, for me, it was like right, discipline became a really big thing for me. Yes. And, and I, I mean, I'm a real doer. Like I struggle to slow down a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think I recognize that there's, that for me, there's so much freedom in discipline. Actually, sorry to say it again. Actually, I was talking about that. <laughs> okay. He was talking about the discipline factor. Yeah, you have to have a, a level of discipline. Don't I think you, you have to. Yeah. And in order to change life and get on with things, you, you, the, the discipline has to be part of it. You have to take it seriously. And that's how I did it was, well, how I'm still doing it now. It's, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a daily practice. Yeah. That is my practice. It's like get up, you know, get up at 5.30, run or go to the gym or yep. 
I guess those are the things I've been doing the most, running, going to the gym and Pilates and yoga, but just getting into my body and, mm. and getting out of my head. That, yep. that has been such a, such a, a great lesson for me. Yep. And to start listening to my body. Yeah, yeah. It's all about tuning in to your body for everything, yeah. but mainly those emotions that come up. Okay, what is this? You know, what is this actual emotion I'm feeling? And my friend Jeannie Carroll says to name it is to tame it. So mm. when you acknowledge this emotion and then you can actually tame it then once we're, then we're not reacting to it, like you say. Absolutely. And that's, that's awareness, right? Which for yeah. me is such a massive thing. So these yeah. days I'm so, I'm so much more aware of my patterns when they come up, you know, or oh, that's me being reactive or I'm being judgmental or I'm, I'm getting really angry at somebody for some reason that's really got nothing to do with them. It's a reflection of me and, and yeah. what my expectations are around what's happening or, or my resentment to the situation because I said yes again when I really meant to say no. Oh, my God, yes. You know, it's, it's so mm. just, yeah, becoming much more aware of those situations. and um, It's getting to – like you really get to know yourself too with this whole sobriety thing and learning that, yeah, you know, Ash and I were talking about this this morning that – I'd been going out of my way for someone just recently and I felt offended because of, you know, they weren't giving me back what I, and then for one, was I doing it just because I wanted, was I giving to get? Yeah. Was I giving to get? And also stop looking for reasons to be offended because we often do that too. And she's just doing what she's doing and you know, I'm doing what I'm doing and just don't be offended. Like just get on with it. Absolutely. And for me, that comes really comes back personally to that idea around taking things personally Yes. And and even when people disagree with me, you know, I, yeah. I spent my whole, especially my drinking life, just arguing my face off with people yeah. all the time, you know, yeah. because I didn't want to accept either that I was wrong or that it was okay that they didn't agree with me. Yeah. Because yeah. It, for me, it's always coming back to that idea. It's like, of, I need you to agree with me so I feel better about myself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly. God, I so know that. We, we could be like the same person because it's... The sensitivity that we have, and particularly if we're people pleasing types, yep, that's me. Um, yeah, yeah, and so many of so many um, people that I talk to that are big drinkers or have binge drinking issues, there's a lot to do with this identity of wanting to please and wanting to be accepted, and so it's sort of being aware of that. And my God, it's so difficult. Like when I when I started to become aware of those behavior, I was like, no, are you kidding yeah, me? Is yeah. that what I do? Do I behave like that? Yeah, really? Yeah. I'd hidden it from myself and it's, it's really difficult to look at that and acknowledge it. Yeah. And it's a beautiful trait to have too. Like it's, you know, cause we tend to want to do things for people and it's, it's a beautiful thing, but you have to watch the boundaries with it, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I guess for me, it's particularly around the approval scene. Yeah. Changing, changing who I am or what I believe or what I feel. Yeah. In order to get somebody's approval or to fit in and I think constantly. You could, you could ask yourself too, and I've got to remind myself of this often, so thank you. But yeah, just why am I doing this? Am I doing this for approval or am I doing this because it makes me actually feel good and I want to do it? No strings attached. You know, would I do it anyway with or without the approval maybe? I'm not sure, but yeah, something I'm, I'm obviously working on myself still, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So what did you do when you would have cravings or did you have cravings? I, yes, definitely, because um, there's still the habit there that is so strong, and um, yeah. particularly. So I, th- I think, I think the way I socialise has really changed a lot, mm-hmm. and and a lot of the people who used to feature in my life 
far more frequently than they do now have you know my relationships have changed yeah. and I still love those people yeah and I want to be around them and have them in my life but I'm not I'm not with them every weekend or in fact very rarely at all so same yeah, yeah. so I've really mm. started to choose different people I am my social life now I mean I go to bed at 8:30 every night I love it <laughs> same. You, you know <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> my, my, my idea of socialising now is a walk on the beach at 7 in the morning or a, a morning coffee or something like yeah. that. And it's and I'm much more into the one-on-one yeah. interactions than the, the kind of big social gatherings, which, to be honest, I, I steer clear of a lot. Same. I think it's um, – and being okay with that, that's one of the main worries I find with people when I'm working with them too. It's like, oh, I'm going to feel lonely or I'm going to lose all these friends or people aren't going to like me, but – how did you navigate that, that acceptance of that? I reckon I've kind of found the the opposite in many ways. Mm-hmm. I think I thought that too and mm-hmm. particularly that I would be judged and, you know, people wouldn't accept me. I've, I've actually found the opposite in many ways, that people have been really curious about what I'm doing and why I'm doing yeah. it. And like, for example, when I go to a party now, I mean, I'll be the, like the first guy there and the first to leave yep. pretty much. But yep. I'm actually okay to go, guys, I'm, I'm going now. Whereas yep. I used to smoke bomb yeah, because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to even deal with that interaction. Mm. So now I find I can be more upfront. I can mm. just tell people what I'm doing. And if I don't want to go, I'll say, sorry, I don't want to go. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, which, yep. which is a great feeling Yeah, because I don't think I had that before. I always wanted to show up and, you know, mm. be the life of the party and, and so on and so forth. So... Also, oh man, I found so much time in my life now that I didn't know <laughs> didn't know it was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, yeah. I feel like my personal life has become much more kind of, um, I mean, much more rewarding, but also much fuller. Yeah. So all that time I used to spend, you know, I'd, I'd, it's like I used to clock off from my life when I'd mm. crack a beer mm. after work. Right, the rest of the night is dedicated. Doesn't matter what I do, but I'm drinking beers. <laughs> and what else happens is just that's just what else I'm doing. Yeah. So now s- suddenly there's always extra time to do. Yeah. And what do you do? Whatever it is. Well, I mean, there is the um, like I was saying before, I spend a lot more time sort of exercising and running and yeah, you've doing lost yoga. stacks of weight by the I've way. Lost we're... a lot of weight. Yeah. Yeah. How much yeah. weight have you lost? Since I quit drinking, I reckon ten kilos. Wow. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Amazing. so that, that is quite a lot. And that wasn't certainly wasn't something I tried to do, but just it's just a result of the lifestyle. Yeah, and the running and all that. The yeah. running, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which I guess when you think about that, in if you think about dieting, it's, mm. you know, I mean, I've lost a lot of weight, but it's not through trying to diet. It's literally through choosing a different lifestyle. And, that, that and has, a lot less calories. Like it just, yeah, yeah, it's just been a consequence of that. Yeah. I found I am, I've started journaling. Oh, awesome. Which you were talking about as well. Yeah. Um, which I'm sort of do have an evening practice around that. I find that I'm I'm more engaged with uh, – I started learning drums. Awesome. So learning something is great. Learning something new. Yep. So playing a lot of drums. Um, I play guitar as well. So basically spending a lot more time doing those things. Yeah. Um, yeah, reading, just, you know. That's awesome. And speaking of journaling, good opportunity to go to this quick break. So many of us feel stuck and unsure of how to make positive changes in life. Journaling is a proven way of keeping yourself on track and creating lasting change. 
The How I Quit Alcohol Playbook will take you through 365 days of gratitude, daily affirmation, and loads of techniques to help you stay on track and head towards a clearer future. Head to the show notes or iquitalcohol.com.au to grab yourself a copy today. Um, that's amazing, Chris. So it also, it seems to me as though you had the mental shift, which is, I think is what has to happen too. You had that mental shift and decided, right, I'm creating something new here for myself. I'm going down this different path. And like we were talking earlier about that Alan Carr's book, The Only Way to Quit Smoking, which I read as well. And I applied a lot of that. And so did Ash, even though it wasn't about, I'd already quit smoking years ago, but I applied a lot of that theory and a lot of his tactics to quitting drinking. So, you know, giving yourself a gift, looking at it really differently. And you'd funny that you'd read that book as well. I read that book so many times. I, I had a, I, th- I, th- I can't remember if I got it new, but that was, man, that book was my best friend for about 10 years. I quit smoking so many times. Yeah. <laughs> like that was, a, I, I almost had more of a quitting habit than an actual smoking habit. <laughs> But um, yeah, that idea, we were talking about it before, that idea that, that always stuck with me was the idea that smoking is like putting on a tight pair of shoes that yeah. are too small for you. And the relief that comes from smoking is just taking, it's, you know, it's taking the shoes off. That's it. You're not. Yeah. Smoking doesn't give you anything. The same as alcohol. I think we get so caught up in the idea that, oh, how am I going to relax without alcohol? Mm. I feel so much more relaxed now mm. in my life, so much calmer, so much more at peace. Oh, same same yeah which is a beautiful thing but um and a, a common a common discussion i guess i have with people is um i get this question a lot is chris don't you think you need a bit more balance in your life <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like my answer to that now is man i've been drinking for 30 years yeah my, my, maybe i won't drink for the next 30 have, mm. i'll balance it out like that yeah <laughs> that's but, a great balance. yeah i mean to me how you know a couple of drinks here and there is not that doesn't work for me. Yeah. And you've learnt that. And this is one thing. Um, and don't, I'd say to people too, like, don't feel too down on yourself if you've tried, you, you know, you've had some time off and then you've thought, I'm going to learn to moderate and it hasn't worked because it very rarely works. I don't know of many people, if any, really, maybe one or two that have been able to master that moderating thing. Um, it tends to creep back. There's one a, a guy that I talk to frequently on Instagram and he'll, I'm watching his journey where he's like, no, I've got this, Danny. I went camping on the weekend. I managed to have two. I'm, I'm good. I've got this. And then um, I hope he doesn't mind, I won't say his name anyway, but, and then like a month or two later, I've just got a message from him last night going, fuck it, it's, it's crap back in. Well, then it becomes know. this constant battle, doesn't it? For me, it's so, the idea yeah. of just letting it go yes, and not easier. having it in my life, it's been so much easier. Than trying um, to moderate. Yeah, it's and like exhausting. you said, mentally, just kind of the freedom that has come with that for me mentally, but I think it's such, and I think it needs to be making a big shift like this in your life. It needs to be more than alcohol. Yes. It needs to be holistic. Yep. 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 You know, yep. Because yep, alcohol yep. is a symptom of, of the life that, that, that I've chosen to live for my, my whole life, you know, but it's not. So it's masking a lot of deeper things within me. So it, it is a part of that. It is a part of that journey into the self. Oh, my God. Lo- you know, losing the alcohol. Yes. Mm. <laughs> You've said it right there. It's exactly right. It's got to be more than just getting rid of alcohol. There has to be more to it. And it's about. Um, Gabor Mate says it's about rediscovering yourself and putting yourself all the fragmented bits back together again. And yeah, it's the alcohol, like I often say to you, it becomes an afterthought when you start this 
bigger bigger work on yourself. It absolutely does, yeah. Mm. And and I'm really not one for um, I don't care what anyone else does. If you want to drink, drink. You know, if if you eat what you yeah. want, you know, do what you like. Yeah. Um, it's not up to me to try and tell anyone else what to do and how to live. Um, and if I start doing that, please. <laughs> Remind me not to do that. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be that guy. Um, but I do get a lot of people saying to me, um, and there's a lot of resistance from other people around me, yeah. um, which is, you know, it's a reflection of their own lives as well. When yeah. they see somebody yeah. behaving in ways that perhaps make them think about their own lives, yeah. um, which is great. It's great to have that influence. Yeah, it is. It is. Obviously, life has changed dramatically in your whole, the mental health and everything like that. Tell us how much better it is now that you've gone down this path. How much has life improved for you? I think it's, I mean, it's improved out of sight, really, I would say. I think it's, it doesn't happen overnight, as they say. And I think the first, I think last year, I was still very much in the throes of, um, struggle yep. and pain even though I'd, I'd stopped drinking i was still um transitioning through a lot of my own personal suffering yeah through through giving up alcohol and starting to understand those patterns in myself that i had been in denial about that's that's a painful journey in itself yeah and for me to start uh looking at those things i struggle with that through a lot of last year and I still do now, you know, it's not, it's not easy. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like you just stop drinking and then everything becomes good again. I certainly don't think it's like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was about to say that. Yeah. And I also think it's a long journey. And like we said before, it's a journey that has to happen every single day. Um, you know, I do get people, I have had quite a lot of reflections from other people that, that maybe I've been quite selfish over the past year. Um, because everything has been about me, mm. but I, again, that's other people and their own reflections. And I get that. I would have probably felt like that as well at some point because in what it, way would you have been selfish? Well, well, no, I haven't been. I don't, I think that's, I think that that's how a lot of people might react to, to me, for example, spending a lot more time with myself and, and doing doing my thing and and you know that's what I've been doing but I have really come to a deep understanding that it's the opposite to that that's how that's how I can um become the person I need to be in order to to serve other people yeah ultimately yeah. you know what I mean yeah and is it just too because people are used to you being a certain way um and maybe yeah or me wanting to have fun and come around and be be a part of things and you know it's a big and, and change, I'm not doing it? that anymore, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's and I guess a lot of my talk has been about myself and what I'm doing next and everything has been about self-work in, it, in yeah. recent times for me. Um, but to me, I think that's, you know, I think that's the journey. That's the purpose of in many ways of, of life, I believe. I think it's so amazing if you can get out and talk about it too and have the guts to actually come. And so for some people, they might get uncomfortable with that and that's okay mm. too it's like you say it's a reflection of where they're at mm. at, at that time yeah 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 which is learning to not take that so personally for yeah. me still so yes yeah. yeah um beyond that though how has my life changed i mean on a day-to-day level number one thing sleep mm. wow like like i sleep like clockwork now yep every you know i go to bed at the same time every night yeah i sleep through the i used to wake up at you know, two o'clock every night and often that would be it. 
Yeah. Especially if I was drinking red wine. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And now it's just, like, I can't believe the impact that having regular, consistent, quality sleep has had on my life. Oh, it's I don't, amazing. I can't even have an afternoon nap if I try now. Because <laughs> it used to be, like, such a regular thing for me. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. yeah. So I have so much more energy. Yeah. Um, yeah, my relationships, my relationship with my son has improved so much. Because mm. I just used to be so reactive with him and so angry. Mm. Um, you know, he was the person that would trigger me the most, you know. Mm. Mm. So being much more aware of that now and, and, and really being able to shift out of that place and, yeah, be, to be able to become much more um, calm and accepting and um, learning to be more curious, you know, yeah, about what's going on in my relationships. It sounds to me too like that you've taken full responsibility for yourself. So your behaviours you know, what you choose to do on a day-to-day, what you're putting in your body, it's it's fully about taking responsibility. And it sounds to me like that sounds like what you've done. It's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. it's always a work in progress. So look, you are just saying too, it doesn't mean just because we stop drinking and we're doing this internal work that we're suddenly perfect humans or that we don't feel bad or, you know, Absolutely. have I shitty can, days. I can still be an arsehole, you know. A lot of the, you know, I can, I can still be reactive. I can still get angry about something ridiculous. Sure, or- sure. That's still all there, but it's it's much less now. And you can and come back from it quicker. You can recover from it in a, like much more, yeah, yes. quicker. Yeah, yeah. And I can apologize for it. And yeah, I, you know, I can own it. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's so interesting. It's it's so amazing. This whole journey is awesome. Like I just even noticed um, with something that's going on internally in my family. Um, after my dad's passed, there's a few things going on. And I noticed my sisters and I, we've been, we talk about it all the time. And I noticed I was getting really triggered from it. And I was becoming like, I noticed I was getting a little dopamine rush, even though it was making me feel shit. It was making me feel a bit anxious. And we were, essentially, we were just bitching and bitching and bitching. And you being aware, and I actually messaged my sisters yesterday and I said, I actually, as, as sort of fun as it is. <laughs> <laughs> is it fun really? I don't know, but I have to stop because it's actually... Because it's not in alignment with who you want to no be anymore. No way. No, no. Yeah, and it's totally. not It's not making me feel good, even though that little... It's like scratching an itch, you know, but it's not actually making me feel good. It's making me feel all fucked up and nervous and, you know, stressing about that person that we're bitching about and it's becoming consuming. So, sorry, guys, I have to stop. And one of my other sisters said, I know, me too. I totally get it, but I can't stop. <laughs> But it's being able to have that awareness too. To so we're not perfect, but we can have yeah, some awareness and go. Right. Actually, no, nah, you know. Yeah. And funnily enough, I did end up on the phone bitching again about that that same person. But we were able to pull it up pretty quickly and go. No, nah, we're doing it again. Let's stop. We'll talk about yeah, something else. Yeah, because it's you know the world and life. It's grey areas everywhere you look. You know, it's, it can't be black and white. We can't just stop behaving a certain way. Yeah. Um. You know, for me, we're it's all really human. Been about, we're all human, and that yeah. doesn't change. And we're yeah. you know. We're still going to make mistakes and be fallible. Yeah. Every single day. Yeah. Every moment. Yeah. It's about learning to be better with them. And doing your best to to try and take some responsibility to be able to go. Okay, now let's try and rein that in a bit. Let's try and stop. Let's do something better and take responsibility for mm. how we're feeling. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise, we just spin out of control again. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I ask this of everyone on the podcast. What advice would you give your fifteen-year-old self? My 15-year-old self, oh, man, he struggled. I feel for that guy. <laughs> yeah. um, I would say, firstly, I would say I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that 
I would say that you are enough just as you are. You don't need to change who you are for other people to like you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. God, I wish I had have told myself that. So, and, and one day you will have pubes and you will shave and it's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So they came. They came. <laughs> now they're a pain in the ass. <laughs> that's right. Now we're in the age where no one wants them. <laughs> now we're all trying to Finally, get rid of them. We're waxing right. them off. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, Chris. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks um, for having me, Danny. Yeah, amazing. And I'll just hopefully we'll catch up again in the near future to talk some more and hear about it it's just incredible you're amazing thank you thank you if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.